0: Well, good morning everyone and thanks for joining us for church online today. I'm so glad that you've tuned in and that you've been worshiping with us. I trust and believe that God is already moving in your heart and I know that he's working in your life. If you will grab your Bibles open to Acts chapter 8. That's where we will be today in just a few moments. I want to say welcome to everyone from Fredericksburg, Texas and Greater Life Christian Center Church that's been joining us over the last few weeks. We're so glad that you've been tuning in as Well, I just want to say that tonight we're going to be having a special meeting for the members of the church. It's a sort of soft opening. And so that's tonight at six o'clock. There is going to be worship. I am going to bring a word to you tonight. I also have hopefully a special announcement to make as well. And so we'll see you members of the church tonight at six. We've got plenty of space. So I hope to see you then. Then next Sunday. And this is the point where I would turn and say, say to your neighbor next Sunday, but maybe you've got a neighbor there and you can say next Sunday, but next Sunday, We are opening the doors Sunday morning for worship and for church. We're having two gatherings next Sunday at 9 and 11, and I am so excited. We're going to have plenty of space for everyone to come, so I am looking forward. Put it on your calendar. Invite your friends. Invite your neighbors to come to church Next Sunday, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., we've got all the social distancing stuff and the chairs laid out. It's going to be safe. It's going to be clean. But we're going to come and we're going to worship God together on May the 31st, Pentecost Sunday. So put it on your calendar and we will see you then. So Acts chapter 8 is where we are today. And what we've seen so far over the last few weeks and over the last few chapters as we've been going through Acts is that the attention and the focus has shifted from the apostles and their ministry. And in Acts chapter six, the focus began to be on the church and the ministries of the church and and the saints within the church that have now been doing ministry. And those saints we know were called deacons. They were servants in the church. And over the last two weeks, what we've seen is two of these deacons, these servants, they've been highlighted for us. The first being Stephen and how he was witnessing for Christ in a powerful way and how the Holy Spirit was moving through him and lives were being touched and changed and people were being healed and set free. And he was ministering and he was preaching and it was just awesome how God was using him. But then opposition arose and persecution arose. And even as Stephen remained faithful, that those people who were persecuting him, they took his life. He was the first martyr for the faith. And after Stephen was martyred, this great persecution arose within Jerusalem, the city where they were, and that the church, because of the persecution, was scattered. The church fled their city, and they had to flee for their lives, and, and they were scattered throughout the country and throughout the hillside. But as they went, going from Jerusalem into Judea we saw that Philip another one of the deacons one of the servants of the church he went into Samaria and as the church left they went preaching and proclaiming the word of God and that this great revival broke out in Samaria under the ministry of Stephen who is becoming an evangelist right in front of our eyes people were being healed people were being set free from demonic oppression It was awesome what God was doing, revival coming and transforming this whole city of Samaria. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon the city. And it says that there was much joy in that city and in that community under the ministry of Philip. And now we're continuing the story today in Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. And it reads, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us. Lord, that we don't have to live in silence because you have given us your word You have given us your spirit and through your word and your spirit, you call us into a relationship with you through faith in your son, Jesus. Now we are part of your family. Where once we were separated from you because of sin, we've now been grafted in. We've now been added to your family and we call you our father. Thank you for this scripture. Thank you for our time together. I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would build us up in our faith, that you would help us through the power of your spirit to be the witnesses that you have called us to be in this time and in this season, that your name would be glorified, that your name would be exalted, that your name would be praised. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So in this passage, we see that God speaks to Philip, and he speaks to Philip through an angel. And he asks Philip to go out into the desert to leave Samaria. And Philip doesn't know why, he's just obeying what the Lord asks him to do. But that there was this man there, this Ethiopian eunuch, who had come from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, it says, to worship God. Now, what you might not know by reading this is that this is a very well-off individual. He's in a high position within the government. He's in charge of all of the wealth for the queen, Candace, of Ethiopia. He's also uh, very wealthy. We know this because he has a copy of the scriptures. You see, it was... Uh, very cost prohibitive to have a a personal copy of the scriptures in that day because of the man hours that were required to transcribe the scripture. It could take a trained scribe working eight hours a day up to two months to copy a copy of the Old Testament. And here we see that this eunuch, he has a personal Copy. This was something that was unheard of unless you were very wealthy. The way that people accessed the scripture in that day is they went into the synagogue and each synagogue had a, a copy of the scriptures and, and someone would take it out and would read it to them publicly. But very few, very, very few people were able to own a copy of the scripture Privately. So he's a wealthy person. He's someone who's in a high position. We see that God has been working in his heart because he's made this thousand mile journey to go from Ethiopia to worship God in Jerusalem. Now, we don't know how he heard about God or the God of Israel, but somehow he's heard about the God of Israel, Jehovah. And he's come. God is working in his heart. He's come to worship this God in Jerusalem. But most likely, he was not able to worship God when he got to Jerusalem for two reasons. The first being that he was a Gentile. Gentiles were excluded from the, the inner parts of the, the temple. They weren't able to go in past what was called the wall of division. The Gentiles, even if they had converted to Judaism, they were separated, they could only go so far. And only Jews were allowed to go into the the place where God's people could could worship into the inner parts of the temple grounds. The Jews were really kept, uh, or the Gentiles were really kept outside. They were pushed out and excluded. They weren't allowed into the assembly. But the second thing we know about this man is that he is a eunuch. And in Deuteronomy 23.1, it tells us that eunuchs are to be even excluded from the Gentiles that have converted to following Jesus. They're not even allowed into the assembly at all. So because of this man's unique situation with his reproductive organ, even after he made this thousand mile journey, when he got to Jerusalem, what he likely found was closed doors. People saying he can't worship God he's being shut out there's three things in this passage that that really God is is speaking to me and I believe that God will be speaking to you as as we look at this more in depth about Philip in this Ethiopian eunuch and the first thing that we see is that God cares for the individual God cares for the person and the individual Yes, large crowds are great, but it's the individuals that make up the crowds that matter to God. Philip had a good thing going in Samaria. Hundreds of souls saved, a community being transformed, demons being cast out, people being set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Large, growing, thriving ministry. But God calls Philip to leave All of that to go minister out to a man in the desert. One man. You see, God cares just as much about this one man being baptized in the desert as he does about the revival that's happening in Samaria. You see, for us, large crowds and large numbers, they're impressive to us. We're impressed when someone can can put a large ministry together. We're impressed by, by large things, big things, large churches. These things wow us. These things impress us. But these things are not impressive to God. God cares about the person, the individual. That means that God cares about you. You see, there may be times in your life when you are overlooked by others there may be times in your life where you get lost in the crowd there may be times where where you're not seen in the shuffle of life but we are never overlooked by God we are never lost to God we are always seen by God rejected by the religious elites this Ethiopian eunuch is received and accepted and loved by God. He went to the temple to find God. But God finds this man in the desert. And I find something so beautiful and so simple and so poetic about that, that oftentimes in the places where we think we will find God is not where we find him. You may have grown up in church and not even been saved. It's not until you were in the desert season of your life that God reached out and he found you right there. It's often in that desert place where God finds us and where we meet God. You might feel like you're in the middle of a desert season right now. And if you are, trust me, I understand what that's like. But I want to assure you and reassure you today that you are not lost to God. You might feel far from him, but he is not far from you. He has not overlooked you. God is always as close as the mention of his name. Call out to him. Cry out to Jesus today if you feel like you're in that desert place. And he will flood your soul with happiness, joy, and peace. And he will minister right to you where you're at because he's promised to never leave us or forsake us. The second thing I wanna draw your attention to this morning is Philip's submission to the Holy Spirit. Philip listened to the Holy Spirit and he listened to the angel and he followed God's leading throughout this whole story. And we too, like Philip, we must be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life if we're gonna be the witnesses that we've been called to be by Jesus Christ. You know, as we've looked at the life of Stephen, as we looked at the life of Philip, What we've seen is that these are ordinary men. They're not apostles. They're servants in the church. Yet God is using them through the power of his spirit to do extraordinary things for him. And it shows us, it's a picture for us of what the life can look like, what your life can look like. Through following the leading and the directing and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's this idea, this thought, this lie that goes around that the Christian life is dull, is dead, is dry, is boring. Listen, it is not any of those things. Look at Stephen's life. Look at Philip's life. You could say it's many things, but you could not say that it is boring. I mean, Philip, after he's done baptizing this guy, he's transported, he's transported out of the water to some other city, miles and miles away. This is thousands of years before anybody ever said, you know, ding, ding, beam me up, Scotty. He was beamed up by the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. This is incredible. But these are just guys who are being led by the Spirit, And if you too will humble yourself, will submit yourself to the leading of the spirit in your life, I promise you that the Christian life for you will be anything but dead, mundane, dry, dull, and boring. There's nothing more thrilling, more exciting, more exhilarating than when the spirit of God and his life is moving through you to touch and to change other people's lives and eternity no matter how many times we've felt this inner voice though no matter how many times we we feel this prompting so many times we what we ignore it we don't respond how many times have you heard this voice the spirit leading go pray for this person Go encourage that person. Go share the gospel. Go share your faith. Go witness to this person, to that person, to that individual. Go give to this people. Go serve these people. And we don't do it. We fail to do it. You know, it's not the devil telling you to go pray for somebody. Who's telling you to do that? It's the Holy Spirit. Do you think that's you? Well, that's just my imagination. No, that's the inner voice, the inner prompting of the Spirit saying, go and minister in the name of Christ. So why don't we do it? Only one reason, because our flesh gets in the way. Our flesh stops us from doing what the Spirit would lead us to do. We say and ask things like, what will they think of me? What if I don't say the right thing? What if I come across in the wrong way? What if I am misunderstood? What if they reject me? You know, it's missing and absent from all of those statements. Christ and his glory. You see, we're so worried about ourselves. That's the flesh. We're called, you're called to live a life that is led by the spirit, not a life that gives in to the flesh all the time. You see, we think that giving into the flesh is just this, all this carnal, overt kind of sin. Listen, there's more to giving into the flesh than that. It's being proudful. It's being concerned about yourself. It's being self-conscious and not God-conscious and spirit-conscious all the time. We need to be focused on what the Spirit is leading us to do. You know, as I look at Philip and I, I see the way that he was used by God in this story, I see three things that I wanna highlight for you. And yes, I know it's three points within a point, but these are quick, I'll go through these quickly. Three things that we can see in Philip's life that all of us, myself included, we need as God's people to grow in. And the first is he had an open ear. He had an open ear, he, he could hear the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit. His ear was tuned to hear what the Spirit was leading him and telling him to do. He knew how to listen for that still, small voice, those promptings of the Spirit. Go and talk to that person. It says Philip ran to go and do it. You know, one thing that really amazes me is that when my family gets together, and I've got quite a large family, my parents had five sons, four of the sons have children. And so with all of our kids together, there's 13 little kids in the house. And with 11 or 12 adults and 13 kids, man, it is loud and it is chaotic and it is pandemonium. And we love to get together. We haven't gotten together in almost three months now, but when we do, it's so much fun and so exciting, but it is wild and there's a lot of noise going. But one thing that always happens inevitably when we get our families together is that one of the children either gets their feelings hurt or their body hurt. And there's been more than one occasion where a family gathering has resulted in a trip to the emergency room. (laughs) We're not bad parents, it's just, you know, little kids can be little kids. But what amazes me is that when a small child in the midst of all the noise, all the chaos, all the laughter, all the talking begins to cry out, that child's mother hears that voice. Everyone else doesn't hear it at first, But that mother hears that voice. And the question is, how can that mom know that that's their child or that it's not their child? The dads are kind of like, who is that? I think I hear someone crying. The mom's like, oh, I know exactly who that is. It's because their ears are tuned to hear their children's voices. And so how are the ears tuned? How how are they learned to do that? to recognize the voice in the midst of the loudness, in the midst of the chaos, it's because they've spent time in the quiet, listening to their child's voice. And for you and I, dear saint, to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, we must do the same. We must spend time in the quiet place, put away the distractions, turn off the phone, turn off the TV, turn off the tablet, turn off the computer, turn off the news, even pull away from family, things that would distract, so that we can spend time with the Lord, spend time in prayer, spend time with His Word. And as we do that, it tunes our voice, or it it tunes our ear to hear His voice. So that when we do get out into life in the midst of the busyness and the chaos, and trust me, life is chaos, I understand that. But when we're tuned our ear, our spiritual ear to hear his voice, we can even hear him in the midst of the chaos. Go pray for that person. Go share the gospel with this person. Go bless this person with a financial gift. Go encourage them, go show them love and kindness and tenderness. Listen, we're called to be God's force for good in the earth. We're called to shine our light so that God in heaven would be praised. But to do so, and to have an exponential impact, we must follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You see, I don't believe uh, that the Holy Spirit has stopped speaking to us. I believe that the reason we don't often hear his voice is because we haven't learned to listen not because he is silent. Now, of course, we know that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, he will never contradict his written word. He will never tell us to do something that his word strictly prohibits and forbids. But we must learn to tune our ear like Stephen and to have an open ear to the voice of the Spirit. The second thing we see that he had was a willing heart. Philip was willing to go anywhere and to do anything in service to God and others. Think about what Philip left behind to step out in faith into nothing, into barrenness, into the desert, where all that was out there was rocks and lizards and snakes and cactus were all he knew. But there was a divine appointment waiting for him. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. He had a willing heart when the spirit spoke, he went and he obeyed. We need to cultivate a willingness to obey and to step out even into what might seem unusual or unordinary or to take us out of the normal rhythms and patterns of our life, knowing that God has a plan, knowing that God has a purpose, knowing that God is the one who is leading us and he is guiding us. And the third thing I want to point out to you that Philip had that we need to uh, grow in is that he had an informed faith. He had an open ear, he had a willing heart, and he had an informed faith. When he came upon this man in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, he's able to, to take him from there and beginning with this place, launch off into explaining to him the whole gospel, the whole good news about Jesus. I know that Philip probably went back to Genesis and said, God is the creator of everyone and everything and that God made the world very good. But humanity, the image bearers of God, we have made the world very bad because we have brought sin into the world. But God, who is rich in mercy, clothed Adam and Eve with his grace. And he promised to bring a deliverer, a savior, a king, a messiah who would fix what we had broken. And that king and that savior and that deliverer, that messiah, Is Jesus but Jesus didn't come in a way that people expect kings to come he came as the suffering servant not the conquering king that he conquered death through suffering that his victory was brought not through a throne but through a cross and how Isaiah 53 perfectly describes the suffering of Christ on the cross as he shed his blood for sinners Philip had an informed faith. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be able to answer every question or every objection, but it's apparent that Philip was a diligent student of the scripture and the apostles' teaching. Even though Philip would not have had a personal copy of God's word, they were so expensive, they were so costly, there's no way he could have afforded to have a Bible in his hand. But he didn't need a Bible in his hand because he had God's word hidden in his heart. Listen, it's not about the the words written on the page. It's about hiding those words in our heart. It's obvious that this is who Philip was. He had received the word into his heart and he had embraced it as his own. He had made it a part of who he was. So we need to have an open ear. We need to have a willing heart and we need to have an informed, Faith. And finally, moving to our last point today, it's a question that arises from this story that I have, and it's wasn't there someone in Jerusalem that could have explained the gospel to this man? Certainly there was. The apostles were in Jerusalem, he had been in the same city where the apostles were living certainly God could have directed Peter or James or John to go by the coffee shop where this eunuch was reading Isaiah 53 and say hey you need someone to explain that to you certainly God could have tapped one of the apostles on the shoulder and said hey go witness to this man but he didn't instead he calls Philip who's in another town another city Samaria and he has to go all the way from Samaria down through to the south where this eunuch was, out into the desert. Why does God do this? The reason is because God is not only working in this Ethiopian eunuch, God is also working in Philip's life. God's also working in Philip's heart. You see, God is not just working through us. As we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, He's also working in us. This experience that Philip had would have been something that he carried with him for the rest of his life. And we too, as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, as we step out in faith and we see God do amazing things, which I believe that he wants to do through each one of our lives, it changes who we are. See, God doesn't want to just work through you. He's also wanting to work in you, the character of Christ. The nature of Christ, the compassion, and the heart of Christ. And so from this, we see that a major part of being a disciple of Jesus, a major part of our journey with God, our journey with the Lord, will be found in serving others. Serving others. You know, sometimes we think we have our relationship with the Lord, And then we have this other thing that we do where we serve others or we serve in the local church. Let me tell you something. These two things are intertwined and they cannot be separated. What God wants to do in you, he will do as he works through you. As you experience the life of God and the spirit of God being poured out through you, it changes who you are. It transforms the way you think, the way you see things, the experiences that you have. A major part of your growth in the Lord will be found in service to others. In conclusion today, I pray that we can all make a new dedication to live a life that is led and filled by the Spirit of God. To do that, we've got to take time to set aside the, direction, the distractions We've got to tune our ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We've got to humble ourselves and we have to have willing hearts. We have to be diligent to hide God's word in our heart. And if we do those things, if you have a humble spirit and a willing heart, listen, there is no limit to what God can do through you and in your life. There's no limit to how God can use you to touch and to change others, to bring the, the, the gospel, the good news to bear witness in the power of the Holy Spirit to the greatest news the world has ever known. This is the last time in the Bible we hear of the Ethiopian eunuch. He doesn't appear ever again on the pages of scripture, but he does appear again in the pages of church history. From church history, what we know of this man is that he went back to his country a thousand miles away A Gentile, a eunuch, he goes back and he begins to witness. He begins to share the incredible joy and the rejoicing that he has, the joy of the spirit, the joy of salvation. He begins to share it. He begins to spread it. He uses his position of prominence to start and to plant churches. And do you know that in Ethiopia today, to this day, there are churches that trace their origins back to this man. There are still churches meeting today that have come from the spiritual heritage and the legacy of what God did on this one day through a man who was obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You do not know what obeying the Spirit can do and mean for the generations that come. We never know. We never know what we do, what difference it makes as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We never know the impact that it can have in the harvest field of eternity. Listen, somebody witnessed to Billy Graham. One person. God could use you to to save the next Billy Graham. To witness to the next great evangelist, to, to the next great pastor, to the next great teacher. You you just don't know what God can do through you and through your life. And we won't know on this side of eternity. But what we do know is that we have to be willing. We have to be listening. And we need to hide God's words in our hearts so that we're always ready to share the gospel. God wants to use you. God wants to use you to be a witness for him and to change eternity for souls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to tune our ears to the voice of your spirit. Lord, that we would do so by pulling away from the noise and and pouring over the pages of scripture. That we would be mature in your word. Lord, not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but that we would be well established on the rock of your word. Lord, that we would have a willing heart. Lord, whatever it is that you call us to do, whether it's strange or not, Lord, that that we would be willing to go out of our way in service to you and to others. Lord, as we look forward to uh, reassembling, to regathering as your people, Lord, we pray that your spirit would move in a mighty way and that revival would come to our hearts and to our city, and our community, and our families, and that you would be exalted and praised. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.